The president returns to Elkhart. Did he get the reaction he hoped to receive? Donald Trump questions the heritage of a federal judge from Indiana. A Republican appears in a John Gregg ad, and the Shelley Yoder campaign releases a poll that suggests Trey Hollingsworth is vulnerable. That plus an honor for Dan Wakefield and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending June 3, 2016. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Barack Obama returned to Elkhart, the first city he visited after being elected. He said Elkhart is a symbol of the nation's recovery from the recession. The president also took shots at presumptive Republican nominee Donald Trump, but not by name. In today's economy, we can't put up walls around America. We're not going to round up 11 million people. We're not going to put technology back in the box. We're not going to rip away hard-earned rights uh, of, of women and, and, and minorities and Americans with disabilities so that they're able to more fairly and fully participate in the workplace. These are permanent fixtures in our economy. And rolling them back will not help folks in Elkhart or any place else. What was the purpose of the president's visit? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican John Hammond, John Schwanis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shellett. John Hammond, what was more important to the president on this visit, the 2016 campaign or his legacy? Well, the first thing we ought to say is we're always honored to have a president come to our state. I think the governor mentioned that as well, and but I, I certainly feel that way. I think the whole panel does. He's and come so, to Indiana more than any yeah. president in a long time. Well, we're honored to have it, but I, I don't know what uh, what was more important to the president. I think part of it was a campaign-related uh, message. That's pretty clear. There was a, a kind of a self-admiring reflection on the role he played or thinks he has played in the economy. We had some very difficult jobs numbers this morning that doesn't uh, square up with the reality of uh, what he was trying to paint. So it's, it, I think uh, he, he had two, two things. That he, had, he had legacy in mind. He had politics in mind, uh, sort of a not so, probably not so veiled uh, attempt to, to beat down Donald Trump. But I think also there was an opportunity for us to say, all right, look, um, Who's to take credit for all these things? Is it someplace in the middle? Certainly the governor and the state's low cost, low regulation, pro-growth, you know, 
Yeah, uh, policies we, are very, very important to what's happening up in Elkhart, right? right? It's a cyclical. We talked about industry, all that here so last improved, week, right, in fact. Right. And Mike Pence made a preemptive strike. He wrote an op-ed in, in the Elkhart paper on the morning of the president's arrival, saying that Elkhart improved in spite of the federal government. Yeah, what's really amazing about that is he voted Mike Pence as Congressman Pence. The fact that you know he had all those years in Congress, he doesn't even want to talk about when he wanted to shut the government down. He voted against the stimulus package, and he voted against the autumn automotive bailout, okay? And then he wants to take credit for the automotive jobs in Indiana, and he wants to take credit for the stimulus money that went to, to Elkhart. There is no one single solution for how Elkhart bounded back. But Elkhart's economy is way too dependent on the RV industry, which is obviously dependent on the national economy. And the national economy has to be on the upswing for Elkhart to win. And Elkhart's winning. Their unemployment is below the national average, and that is not thanks to Mike Pence. It's All thanks right, to well, it's Barack John, Obama. John, correct you on one thing later. We'll go ahead to John, right. and we'll come back. Well, you, you can you, try. Whatever yeah. side you take you in this, whatever side you, you take in right. this, you have to enjoy the fact that they're fighting over credit uh, and how good the economy is in Elkhart. Well, that's right, because when the first visit occurred, things were not all right in Elkhart, with, uh, with unemployment at 20 percent, um, with uh, a lot of other problems in that local economy. So it really, I think, shows the point about the economy and the cyclical nature of it. Um, I think all politicians want to claim credit. None of the politicians should get all the credit that they claim, because all of these things are, are held in factors by uh, many other things around the world. Uh, have an effect. If it wasn't for the lower price of fuel, then RVs wouldn't be better. If it wasn't for a better economy, then Elkhart wouldn't be better. All of these things fit hand in glove, and everybody gets credit. The one thing that, that they agreed upon, and I agree with, is that they said that the people of Elkhart, who've worked hard, who've tried very hard to make their economy better, uh, have made that happen, and that's true. Interesting fact. Elkhart's a Republican area. Um, in Very Republican area. Yeah. yeah. But it shows, I think, again, the, the heavy reliance on manufacturing, particularly uh, manufactured housing, RV industry. And that part, that part of the, uh, the constituency here in Indiana, I think, is particularly vulnerable to economic ups and downs. So it's not surprising, I guess, that you would see that, that sensitivity. Uh, if I could, your first question, you know, about whether it's the politics or the, the legacy or the election. If you look at the, the documents that the White House put out surrounding this with all sort of mat graphics of not only job creation and salary, but high school graduation rates and this, and all, all, framed, all framed to the start of, of Barack Obama's yeah. presidency. Legacy so and clearly, So clearly it's legacy. But yeah. I, where I would say uh, the, the question, actually, it's both, because what's the best way to ensure a legacy is to win the White House yeah. with someone that who, for the most part, would maintain your policies rather than somebody who's hell-bent on tearing apart and dismantling I, all of it. I, I so think I think it's That's both. exactly right. I think it's exactly all right. right. Two points. Elkhart never received one dime of stimulus money. They were promised a Navistar electric um, a car component parts operation by the president during that visit he made His prior, second visit. Second visit. 
and that never materialized one, one bit. So which, I do think the which workforce... Had to, which had to do with the owners of that business and not with the federal government. Well, no, who yes. had to do with it, but the president made a commitment well, that didn't happen. That's so, not, that is not true, so, John, because the stimulus money also went to pay teachers. And Elkhart had teachers that were not no. laid off because the stimulus no, money went not, there. That's not, that, and the long-term unemployment that is not was correct. extended. Stimulus so, money went to state government that went, yes. went all over the state. I'm going to back and to Mitch, jo- Dan- Mitch Daniels took every single dime of it. Because Let's he, go and back to John's point. The skills of that workforce there are superb for that industry. We've Nobody's had more consolidations. We've had more consolidation since the recession there. They could have gone to Illinois, Ohio, yeah, Michigan, not, but they didn't. I'm not arguing they that the workforce right isn't, isn't right. partially because responsible. What I'm saying is that really the stimulus money did help them, as did the long-term unemployment ask insurance. Ask Moody's why they gave us a triple Time A bond now. Right Time now right. for ratings, viewer ratings, feedback. Ratings, Each week we pose an unscientific ratings. online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, who deserves the most credit for the economic turnaround in Elkhart? Your choices are A, President Obama, B, Governor Pence, or C, neither. Last week's question, what does Christina Hale's selection as John Gregg's running mate mean to you? 51% said I'm more likely to vote for Gregg. 7% said I'm less likely to vote for Gregg. 42% said no difference. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. Donald Trump criticized a federal judge this week after the judge ordered the release of documents in a lawsuit against Trump University. Trump has been accused in the lawsuit of defrauding 5,000 people. He called Judge Gonzalo Curiel a Trump hater and questioned his heritage. Judge Curiel was born in East Chicago, Indiana. The judge, who happens to be, we believe, Mexican, which is great. I think that's fine. You know what? I think the Mexicans are going to end up loving Donald Trump. And Delaney, will that encourage Mexicans to love Donald Trump? You know, it's like a dog whistle. I mean, he just says, says if he can say the word or he can be a little bit more bigoted in his remarks, all his people will gravitate around him. This is disgusting. It really is. I have met Judge Curiel. He had an outstanding record as a, as a U.S. attorney fighting the drug cartels Indiana at University risk to his own. Not only a distinguished <laughs> Indiana University Maurer School of Law graduate, but also a member of the Academy of Law Alumni Fellows because of his record. And for him to attack on what would be a routine discovery discussion, it's just, it is indicative of his whole bullying nature. And this from a guy who says the legal system is rigged this guy has filed more than one lawsuit a week for the last three yeah. decades. Well, since he made that remark at, at a rally, he, he has said that Judge Curiel uh, should, should be removed from this case because he's Mexican and has a conflict of interest. That, the legal basis for that is a little questionable. Well, you know, like Ann, I'm an attorney and therefore an officer of the court, so I'm not going to get into all this. I do know that J- Judge Curiel is... Uh, He's a competent, good jurist, and that part we do know about him. And it's great. Based in San Diego, for great, right? Right, but 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 born and raised a Hoosier, and that's that's terrific. Son of a steel worker, right? And so, you know, I'm not going to get in the position of trying to advise Donald Trump on those issues. I'm sure his his lawyers are doing that as we speak. The thing that I, I know that everyone wants to jump on the on the Trump University issues, pardon me, on the lawsuits, but I also am pretty glad that he does not have the problem of a Justice Department investigation chasing after him like oh, Hillary Clinton does. He has Clinton one from does. the New York Department, the New no. York Attorney General he chasing is, he, after him. You know, so he does not, him, too. I'd rather be in his position than Hillary's. Oh, well, yeah. well, I don't think you need to worry about Hillary. <laughs> criticizing a, a federal judge in that fashion is unusual, to say the least. Well, it is. 
Um, he, he's not an attorney. He's not bind, bound by the same canons that, uh, that Ann and, and John are. Uh, but still, uh, what bothers, I think, some people about it isn't that he attacked this individual as much as it's an attack on the institution. Uh, because you start suggesting that the federal courts are fixed or corrupt, and then where does that lead? Well, then you've got a, one branch of three uh, government that's already, in his mind, worthless. He doesn't have high regard for a lot of Congress and or the executive branch, even though he's seeking it. So it's, it sort of tears down the system, mm -hmm. and I think that's, that's the problem. To your p question about uh, should he recuse himself, if that's grounds for recusal, yeah. I'm not sure how you could ever hear could, any case because, as, the, the as there was thing. a prophet Stanford yeah. pointed out this week, you know, Thurgood Marshall would have been uh, barred from, now granted the time, he wasn't there for yeah. Brown versus Board of Education, he but was arguing the case. But any minority arguing a civil rights case involved. or anybody of Italian descent right. doing anything with organized crime, I mean, okay. it's, it, you can take beyond it that, to its... Now, beyond all those legal issues, I find it interesting here that you have a candidate for president who is using a campaign rally to address personal business issues. That's this, exactly right. It's disgusting. It's a poor use of the, the pulpit that he has. Uh, because he is a bully, it's a bully pulpit. And he's using it in the worst imaginable way. It's not the first time he tears down the media, another institution that gets uh, denigrated all the time. For 40 years we've you know, had a denigration of Congress. Why do we think people don't like Congress? Same with the media, same with the presidency, same with the judiciary. This is a terrible thing to do for anyone, much less somebody who's got the national profile and national spotlight. It's despicable. And this, this judge, we should point out, not only, as somebody pointed out already, he was uh, very strong in the, as a federal prosecutor in fighting the drug, drug cartels, cartels in Mexico. Great piece this week, I think it was in the New York Times, also pointed out he actually had to live on a naval base right. for a period threatened. of time because he yeah. was the subject right. of a hit contract right. from the cartels. So this is not somebody who is, right. you know... He has a distinguished career. He has a yeah. distinguished career, and he's be trying to be bullied into doing something that Donald Trump wants. Let's move on. Robin. We'll let the judge speak. And see how right. He can't turns speak. Out. That's he the can't. problem. His brother has spoken up for him, that's however. That's correct. We'll right. see how the case turns out. In a new ad in the race for governor from Democrat John Gregg, shows off a testimonial from a former Republican lawmaker, David Yant, represented Columbus in the Indiana House. That's the hometown of Governor Mike Pence. Here's a portion of the ad. Elected Speaker of the House in 1996, he put leadership ahead of partisanship. In the face of a recession, John joined with my fellow Republicans to balance the budget and fund education. John Kensenberger, will that help win crossover votes for John Gregg? Won't hurt. Uh, I think it's a savvy move at this point in the election to, uh, to have somebody from your days as the Speaker of the House, somebody who was on the other side of the aisle, somebody you knocked heads with uh, on the legislature, uh, to come out and say that he thinks he's the right candidate for governor. So I think it's a, a very good and savvy move by the Gregg uh, campaign, and we'll see what happens, but I don't think it hurts him at all. Do you think we'll see more Republican testimonials for John Gregg? If John Gregg finds other former... Uh, um opponents, if you will, willing to step up and, and vouch for him or endorse him, I'm sure you will. Because again, as John suggests, the message here is about let's get beyond uh, ideology. And in fact, there's a line in this commercial, as I think there has been at most every stump speech and so forth, about I'll take ideas, good ideas, whether they're from Democrats, Republicans. And that's the theme here. And I think anything that you can, anybody you can try out to, to bolster that point or mm -hmm. to help make that point, is all the better for John Gregg. Is David Young being disloyal to the Republican Party? You know, anyone has the right to, 
to support whoever they would like to, and I think that's fine. I think Mike Pence enjoys support from independents and Democrats. He enjoys support from the former 2008 gubernatorial candidate for the Democrats, Jim Schellinger. Who lost the last So I'd, I'd like to, yeah. I'd like to have, yeah. regardless, but he is, he is a, a true Democrat, and he supports him and works in the administration, helps bring his jobs to Indiana. So I think both sides can claim having supporters from the other side. I think it's a very good ad. I think it's a good inoculation because I expect that with the numbers the way they are that Mike Pence will start attacking pretty soon despite well, his pledge of no negative there's been ads. Reporting, there's re- been reporting that the Republican Governors Association has purchased, purchased ads starting Monday. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there'll be attack ads. And we anticipate there'll be attack ads, yeah, yes. just Mike Pence breaks his word left and right, obviously. It'll be defining the record of his oh, opponent. Oh, I know. All right. Still with the race for governor. Still with the race for governor. Mike Pence's new ad features First Lady Karen Pence talking about his record on education, including the fact that he started the first pre-K program. And coincidentally, the governor wrote a letter to HHS Secretary Sylvia Burwell asking for the possibility of a pre-K grant, something that he rejected $80 million worth two years ago. $80 million that he turned down two years ago when he had eyes in the sky about maybe, maybe they'll pick me for vice president. When he was thinking about not Hoosiers, but his national image and his ideology, he turned down $80 million. Now there's no money out there, and he knows that people are angry about that because people realize how good free school is. So now he puts a letter out there and says, I'm really for it, even though I turned it down, even though the pilot is so small that there's a waiting list longer than the number of people in it. One thing we can tell you is that polling uh, has shown, uh, let me cite one poll, the Wish TV Ball State Hoosier survey in 2014 showed 82% in support of preschool, preschool, public funded pre-K. Is this a flip-flop? No. Yes. Can I just make a quick comment, just real quick? Um, First, to get this passed, this pilot program passed in the General Assembly, he has to work with legislative leaders who were not prepared to know whether or not they could continue the funding of this program with that federal, the federal dollars coming in. So that's a he very... He rejected the ma'am, federal dollars. Ma'am, I'll just a what, you're, what you're saying so, so, is so, if, so, he had, if he had accepted the federal dollars, that would be a one-time only, possibly, and they would have we, to replace possibly. it with state so money? Is, we don't, would this be successful? Do these studies bear out? And so now we've had some experience. In one these year, counties, one year. Yeah, but it's been a good experience, and so now he's made this request. And I, so I think it's a very, very important, bold, and good move on his oh, part. John, I well, can't you, believe you, don't you think, can say that well, with a straight well, face. Well, I can because it's true. Oh my so, goodness! How will this play Certainly. with the public? With well, a straight face. It, it, again, there is. It, you got to look at the ripple effect. I mean, are his opponents, John Gregg and and John Gregg's lieutenants, able to point out what is being discussed here—that there might be an inconsistency? in his position when he's taking credit for a pilot well, program. It's a new and it's position. the very sort of thing, it's the very program that he Which did he turn signaled. his back on the $80 right. million. He said so he turned it down it's, because it's, it's if you look at it, If you look at it with sorry, face value, <laughs> face value or not, if, you know, if you, if you just came in from the, you know, yeah. beam down from Mars or yeah. under the rock, whichever cliche, look at it. Well, then, in fact, you say, oh, that's a good guy. He's an education governor. But then when you he point out, but then yeah. when you point out there's a history and that he's been a very good governor for voucher programs and for charter and schools. And well, I think, but I think I mean, he's setting himself up for an attack ad here. Oh, right? yeah. Well, he, he probably is doing that. We'll see. But I think the other thing about this that, that hasn't been well understood is that there are people who are conservative in his camp, who've been in his camp, 
who aren't happy about the fact that he's made this overture. Yeah, they were very sure. happy right. when he turned it down right. the first time, and they're not happy that he's making the overture again. So once again, he's skating a very fine line, and he's got det detractors on both sides of it. And he said when he turned it down that he didn't want the federal strings attached. Well, okay. what he said was there's no guarantee that federal money will guarantee success, and he pointed to the Head Start program and problems that had taken place then. Yeah, okay. Let me, you let know, me. He, he's, he turned it down when the money was available. Now yeah. he's asking for it when there is no money. Well, it's total hypocrisy. Let's sum up. I'm going to sum it up on my end this way. The ad for Karen, by Karen Pence was terrific. She did a great job in it, and she speaks the truth about his really strong education record. And the second piece of this is what? Don't we all want this to happen? Don't we want... I wanted it to happen two years ago, right, and well, it could have. So, this say, won't happen. So you want, the, you want the governor to be supportive of it, which he is now. I wanted him to do it two years ago when I'm it was just, a reality. I think we all now want it's it. a myth. It's the good and by thing the way, he, it's a his very, public very good education record is it's, terrible. Well, I will say, final point, do you think, is it likely or unlikely that the federal government will respond positively to this yeah. request? I don't know. Unlikely. You know, it was unlikely that he was going to get the reform to Medicaid, which he got from yeah. the federal government, because unlikely. he had to fight the money's tooth and nail on HIP 2.0. Uh, the anti-federal theme has been a constant one with the administration, oh, yes. with Common Core as well, which actually, we all know, was not a federal program, but <laughs> Mitch Daniels and others actually helped put that together. Right. So right. you do have to be careful with the, the way these uh, themes are manipulated. Indeed. Democrat Shelley Yoder released portions of a poll this week in the 9th District congressional race where she's running against Republican Trey Hollingsworth. The poll shows that Yoder has a chance to upset Hollingsworth, the Republican-leaning district. The IU professor and former Miss Indiana is in a 41 to 41 tie with 18 percent undecided, according to the poll, even though Hollingsworth has higher name recognition. John Schwannis, will that be a race come November? It could be. Uh, again, if you go back to some of the ill will that was created by the the primary, which was uh, you know various candidates, uh, uh, very established and well known candidates coming together to buy for that position, and uh, Hollingsworth came away with what uh, wasn't a majority, certainly 34 uh, percent of the vote, which suggests that there were a lot more people who voted against them him yeah. than voted for him, and you look at the how effective if in fact uh, Shelley Yoder is able to mount this. Uh, charge that, you know, he's a carpetbagger who bought the race or with the help of his father. These are the themes. I'm not... Moved, moved uh, here from Tennessee just it, to run. Right. And if that uh, resonates, then it, it becomes a significant, uh, a good contest. Okay. So I, I, Hollingsworth spent, uh, between him and his dad, who established a super PAC that worked to his benefit, they spent close to $2 million. Right. Um, the word is his dad is now going to expand that super PAC spending to include other Indiana Republicans, uh, apparently to try to win favor here and also make it appear that this is not targeted just at, at his son. <laughs> Does that make a difference? Well, um, one thing we know for sure is that the family has lots of money, apparently, money to spend on things like this. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that it makes a difference. Here's the difference that, that we were talking about before. That was a four or five person race, and he, he came out on top. This is a one-to-one -one race. Um, and I think that the reason we see this poll now is because uh, Shelley Yoder wants everybody to know that she's got a shot. That means money for her. If she can come close 
to half the money that he's got, then I think uh, she'll have a chance to win this race because she will be able to push the messages that that crowded field were not able to push. And I think voters in southern Indiana won't respond positively to somebody moving into the district to to win the race. She needs outside money. She needs outside money, but she's an excellent candidate, and she's working very hard at it. And the question is whether you can move into an open seat and buy buy yourself a congressional seat, whether daddy's money and your money together can buy you a seat. And if Tennessee Trey can buy a seat... If Southern Indiana is happy with that, without now, his very you can only tenuous ties on that, if people vote for you, well, that's the point. Right. But if if you spend enough money and they and they buy buy themselves a seat so on that, they can do it. Is he being embraced by the Republican Party? He is beginning to be. He has actually become a very um, become a much better known person there. And <laughs> he's from you know he's not I mean, lived yeah, here he started very long. from nowhere. But he, you know yeah, it turns out for those who have spent a lot of time with him in the Ninth District, they like him. He's charming. He's going to be well-funded. I always thought this would be a close race no matter who won that primary. Um, Shelley Yoder has run before. And so, you know, I don't think there's, it's any surprise to me that it's kind of an even-up proposition at the moment. And if moving into a district or a state is an dis- automatic disqualifier, you better tell Hillary Clinton when she uh, sought the <laughs> well, Senate New seat York, in, in New, New York. York City has a tradition of that. Bobby yeah, Kennedy. Well, well, lots of states have tradition. The, the knife does not. The knife does not. It's right. Finally. tradition. Finally, a park on the north side of Indianapolis has a new name this week. Broadway and 61st Street Park is now Dan Wakefield Park. Wakefield is a noted author and journalist from Indianapolis. He spoke at Wednesday's ceremony to rename the park. After this day, I have no need for a memorial service. (laughs) Everybody can just go to the Red Key, play the jukebox, and have a drink. Thank you. John Hammond, that park deserved a better name. Does Dan Wakefield deserve a better tribute? You know what? He decided what his tribute should be. And I'll tell you what, I have been to the Red Key, and I think it's a perfect tribute. I, I, well, I, hey, I'll, as I'll have John and glass, I, I can tell I'll you that. Glass to him there as well. <laughs> I, I think it's great. He's, a, yeah. you know, he's a, obviously a, a tribute to the city of Indianapolis, and it's good that he's finally recognized in a public way. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Kurt Vonnegut has gotten a lot of recognition yes, in this city after his death. Right. His, right. his Indianapolis right. ties were It's nice to do it Well, you also have to remember that, that Dan Wakefield's big book was going all the, all way, the way, set right. in Indianapolis. Indianapolis. A terrific right. story, a well-deserved honor for Dan Wakefield. Field and great. I'll yeah. go down it's there great to, the to see today. that there are issues right. that everybody here on the panel can agree on. And, well, and you, celebrating you, Dan Wakefield is, is one on of them. Congratulations, Dan. Dan. Okay, thank yes. you. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat <laughs> Ann Delaney, Republican John Hammond, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at WFYI.org slash IWIR or starting Monday. You can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller.
Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.